following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. We're going to go ahead and get started tonight. And if this is your first time here at Victory Family Church or, or 19 North, I just want to thank you guys for coming out. Thank you guys for being a part of our service. I know you guys could be at the Luke Bryant concert right now, but you chose to be here. And there's a reward for those who diligently seek him. So thank you guys for coming out tonight. But we're going to be ending our series, Blessed to Give, tonight. And if you guys missed the series so far, you can go online at 19north.tv, spelled out. But on week one, we talked about hidden talent, how God has placed a gift and a talent in each one of our lives. And it's our responsibility to use the talent to impact his people and his kingdom. And last week, we talked about time, and it's my time, what it looks like to serve. And we saw the example that Jesus had when he, uh, what Jesus did when he walked this earth, how he washed the disciples' feet in his last hours. But tonight, I want to talk about the third T to giving. So we have talent, time, and this is a word that's probably going to suck all the air out of the room, is tithe. And I want to ask you guys a question, and it's this, am I generous? And that's the title to my message, am I generous? And I would like to think that most of us would say, yeah, I would consider myself to be very generous. But I would like to start off by asking a few questions pertaining to the definition of the word uh, generous. And I need your guys' help in the th thinking out of this. The first one is this. Say somebody's working at a, at a company and they see something very valuable. And they steal that, they steal that valuable thing and they go home and they sell it on eBay. And then after they get the proceeds, they give some of it to charity. Is that considered generosity or fraud? Fraud. Somebody just got a bonus at work because they've been working hard, and they go to a nonprofit leader and say, listen, I will give you this, this money only if you do this. I will give you this money if you use it in the way I want you to use it, at the time I want you to use it, for the project that I want you to use it on. And if you do not do that, then I will not give you that money. Is that generosity or manipulation? Extortion. <laughs> we have a, 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 a kid in high school that, you turn me up a little bit? We have a kid in high school that is, that is not, doing the, not doing what he should be, not getting the grades that he should be. So a, a mother and father, they, they go to their alma mater and they say, listen, my kid's not succeeding the way we would like him to do and like him to be, what if we would give you a large donation to have our kid come to your college? Is that considered strategic planning or generosity? Strategic planning. Say someone makes $40,000 a year, they come to an Easter service or a Christmas service, and they give $40 in the offering plate. Is that considered an ease of conscience or generosity? Definitely an ease of conscience. Say someone makes $40,000 a year and prayerfully and joyfully gives 10% of that offering to support his local, local church and local mission. Is that considered generosity or obedience? Obedience. See, my point in asking these questions is to help us to kind of discern the definition of generosity. Because we let this, world, this word Go, we let it go so loosely. We let this word be so broad in our world and our culture today. 
See, Bernie Madoff, I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with Bernie Madoff, but he was considered a philanthropist, a very generous man. And people looked at him, and they said, man, this guy is generous. But what he did was he, he, he used his, his Ponzi scheme's money, and he gave, it to the, he gave it to charity. But people said, man, this guy is a generous guy. Now he's serving 117 years in, in jail because he was ripping people off. But people considered him generous. And in the New Testament, we see that the Apostle Paul was talking to a young preacher, a young pastor, Timothy. And he said this. He said, Timothy, what I need you to do is I need you to challenge your church. I need you to challenge your congregation to be generous. And when I read that, I ask myself, have I taught us to be a generous generation? Have I taught us to be a generous ministry? Have I walked that out myself to, to, so you guys could see what it looks like to be, to be generous? Because in Proverbs 17, verse 19, it says this, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. Let me give you some advice real quick. Never go to anybody that has a, 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 a marriage that is failing and ask them about marriage advice. Never go to anybody that doesn't know how to uh, use their finances wisely and ask them about finances. The scripture that I just read right here, it, it's from King Solomon. He was the wisest man in the world. He was the wealthiest man in the world. He still is the wealthiest man to this day. But he was the wisest man in the world. And he said this saying, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay for him. Let me give you some advice. Listen to this guy, because there's a reason why he was the wisest man in the world. There was a reason why he was the wealthiest man. There's a reason why kings and queens came to him to seek advice. See, we can't take some parts of scripture and say, well, I like, I like that, or I like that part, I believe that part. I, I like the blessing of that part, but uh, you know what, I, I just, I'm not into that. I'm not into the tithing thing. I'm not into the, the healing thing. I'm not into that today. But we cannot take part of scripture and say, man, we believe in that, and then take some part of scripture and say, we don't believe in that. It's either God's word is true, or he is a liar. There is no middle ground. And I remember growing up as a young boy, my mom would give me, my mom and dad would give me a dollar every Sunday to put in the offering plate. And being the young boy that I was, and I loved ice cream, and I loved getting candy during the week, there'd be some times where I would give that dollar in the offering plate. There'd be some times where I would pocket that dollar and not tell mom and dad. And there'd be some times where I'd put that dollar in and dig in that offering plate and take 50 cents out. So I'm not sure if you guys ever did that here. I, I, I do suggest try it at least once. It's pretty funny just seeing people's reactions around you. But my mom, and, my mom and dad instilled that principle in me at a very young age. They taught me this in Philippians 4.19, that, that God shall supply all my needs according to his glories and riches in Christ Jesus. Or Proverbs 11.24, one gives freely, yet he grows all the richer. Or Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you as well. See, I looked these scriptures up at a very young age. And I began to, to memorize them. And it was, it was doing that, that that helped me get over that hump, that helped me get over that, 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 that obstacle of giving. Because when I understood what the principle what was behind giving, I was able to trust God in that. 
See, there's a principle called the sowing and the reaping. And we see that all throughout scriptures. And a lot of us, what do we want? We want to reap. We, we want to have that, but we never want to sow. Or we have a hard time sowing. What you reap is what you sow. If, you, if, you, if you're sowing nothing, you're going to reap nothing. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. If you sow bad things, you're going you're gonna to receive bad things. And as I was working on this message and preparing it, you know, I, I had this understanding at a very young age. But I want to take a, a look through the lens of somebody that might be here their first time. Somebody that never heard about tithes and offering and giving. And I want to take a look through that, that type of lens. Because I want to teach you guys tonight on, on the blessings of what happens when you give to God. When you give back to what is his already. But I, have a, I had a conversation with a friend a couple months ago. And we were talking about God and the subject of tithing came up. And it's so funny, when you, when you bring your friends that don't really come to church, they're, they're, it's always the awkward thing at the end of the service, like, you, you may now pass the, the offering bucket. And they're like, man, that's all that church wants. They just want me to come so, so that I can get money from them, so they can steal the money from me. And, and I began to talk to him, and he's like, man, I, I, I really do want to give, but I have school loans right now. I have a car payment. I have personal loans. And I, and I, and I said this to him, I, I said, my man, if you make $10,000 more, I can promise you this, that you're going to take that $10,000 and you're going to use it somewhere elsewhere. You're never going to make enough money in life to give. You're never going to have enough margin in, in, your, in your finances to give. That's why it's called a step of faith. That's why it's called believing in the word of God and, and letting it be true. And I said this, if you start tithing for a whole year, and you're not satisfied, and you don't see the blessings of God all over your life, I will give you your money back. Because this is how much I believe in this principle. This is how much I believe in the blessings of God in my life. And other people who, who I see that give on, on, on a weekly basis. But if you tonight want to take that next step, and I encourage you to do. If you want to take that next step and say, man, I, I'm trusting you, God, with my finances. Do it for one year. If you do not see the blessing of God and the favor of God and the prosperity of God on your life, I will give you your money back. I will give you your money back because that's how much I believe in this. And I want to do a little illustration to help teach us what I mean. And when, when people usually talk about generosity or stewardship, you usually have two people in the room. And they're usually in the same section. And they can hear the same teaching for five years, never miss a message. And have two different perspectives on what it means to give. See, the first guy, he says this. I'm going to do this a, a, kind of a little bit more bolder because they said in the last service that they could not see it. So you have a guy that says, man, in order, to me, in order for me to be financially set up and successful by where I retire, and to be able to, to take my kids through college and be able to go golfing three times a week, I need to go from A to B financially. And he said this, you know, I heard, I heard what the preacher said, but nobody can convince me because I'm a numbers guy. I know in order for me to get to A to B that I need 100% of my income. And then you have a guy that's a couple rows away, a couple seats, uh, uh, seats away. He says the same thing. He said, you know what, in order for me to get to A, and, a to B, 
And yes, I'm concerned just as much as you are. Yes, I know that, that, that if I give 90% of my money, then I might not get to where I need to go. But I'm trusting God in this. So this person says, you know what? I not only believe and trust in God and, and, his, and his provision and his blessing on my life, I, I not only believe that I can go to B, but I can go to C as well. Because that's where God wants us to live. See, this first guy, he saved 100% of his money. But this guy, he believed in the word of God. He says, you know what, I I'm trusting in you. And not only am I going to live off 90% of my money, but I believe I'm not going to get to B, but I'm going to get to C. And that's the life that God wants you and me to live. A life that is too good to be true. A life that, that when people look at you, you say, my gosh, how is that person so blessed? So the, the, the punchline of this story is this. Each one of these guys think that each other is an idiot. Like this guy looks at this guy and says, man, you've been drinking that Kool-Aid. You've been listening to that preacher garbage. And you really believe that you, if you give 10% of your income, God's going to take you to B. He, ain't, he, he can't take you to C, but you, you actually think he's going to take you to B. And this guy thinks this dude's a complete idiot. Because he says, you know what? You come into worship and you raise your hand, say, God, you have everything. I trust in you. I believe in you. Except when it comes to your finances. And my question to you tonight is, what idiot do you want to be? What idiot do you want to be? And far too long, guys, ever since I had a big boy job, I decided that I wanted to be this idiot. I wanted to be this person. And early on, I did, I, I did not see a return on my investment because I was looking through a different lens. I thought that financial investment or, or uh, given to the kingdom of God is financially only. But it's not that. And I look at my life and I, and I, I just, I'm amazed that not only am I living right here, but God has, take me, has taken me to see. Where I look at my life and I'm like, how in the world? Am I doing what I'm doing right now? And I truly believe it's because of that principle about giving God your first fruits. I look at my life and I say, how in the world do I have such amazing friends? Or how in the world do I have such amazing family? Or how in the world did God, how, God, how did you help me get out of debt with my student loans? And how did you help me get out of debt with my, with my car payment? And it's only by God's grace it's only by his promises and his word. And I look, I'm, I'm, I'm 24 years old, and God has blessed me with a beautiful house. And he's blessed me, most importantly, with a beautiful, soon-to-be wife. Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing and has favor from the Lord. See, the value of life is always measured by how much of it is given away. It's not measured by how much you make. It's not measured by how many cars you drive or the house you live in. But the true value of life is measured by how much of it is given away. In Malachi 3, 6 through 12, and this is uh, God speaking to the Israelites, and he's talking about tithes and offerings here. He says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you children of Jacob are not consumed. From the day of your father, you have turned aside from my statues and have kept not, you haven't kept them. 
Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, God said. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and in your contributions, you are cursed to be a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe, everybody say full tithe, into the storehouse, which is the, the, the house of God, which is the local church or the local mission. And I know a lot of you guys, this is not your main church. So I'm not preaching this message so that 19 North can get money. That's not the reason behind this message. Because it's a heart condition. If you guys understand the true meaning behind tithing. And I do encourage you, if you go to another church, if that's your home church, please give to your local church. Be faithful to your local church. Serve your local church. And he said, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test. And this is the only time in scripture that we see God say this to, to his people. Test me in this. Test me in this. See that I'm not faithful. And I love, I love what, what God said. He said, says the Lord of hosts, see that I will not open the heavens for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. We serve an abundant God. We serve a God that is, that is too much, overflowing to the full. That's the kind of God we serve. And I love, I love this next statement. And he says, I will rebuke the de devourer from you. And it's kind of like when you, when you watch the TV and the televangelists, they're always asking, like, and if you do this, and if you do that, then, the, then, then you'll be blessed with $1,000. Did you guys ever see that on TV? Like they say, man, give now in the next 30 seconds, and you will be blessed for this next year. And then, 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 then they're, they're kind of like, well, we're actually dragging this out because the Lord told us to drag this out for another minute. You know why they do that, right? It's because they didn't hit their quota. That's the only reason why they did that. And that's kind of like what Jesus is saying here. He said, and if you do this now, I will rebuke the devourer from you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil and your vine in the field shall fall, uh, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call, call you blessed for you will be in a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. And I think this passage of scripture basically explains itself. But I want to tell you a story and a testimony of what happened to a young man at a young age who took this scripture and applied it to his life. See, my Uncle Ken, and I know you guys don't know him, so I'm going to give you some background. My Uncle Ken dropped out in eighth grade. He was a drug dealer, and he decided to move down to Florida. And there's a picture uh, that should be coming up here on the screen. You could see him. He's in the middle. But that's my Uncle Ken right there. And, I, man, I look up to that man so much. But my Uncle Ken, he, he dropped out in eighth grade, and he was a drug dealer. And he decided to move down to Florida because he could push more drugs down there. And he finally came to a place where he's like, man, this is not satisfying. This is, this is not what I thought it would be. And then he was on his way up from Florida back to Moon Township when he got in a car accident. And there was an 18-wheeler uh, that, 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 that came this close to his head. The wheel was that close to his head. And he, and he cried out to God. He said, God, I don't even know if you're real. But if you are, thank you and I want to live for you. And he went home and he told his mom this story. And his mom began to take him to church. And, and, and he never opened a Bible before. And the Lord said this to him. He said, open up to Malachi 3, 6 through 12. 
and he, and he opened it up and he saw the blessings of tithing and giving. He, he saw the, the prosperity that came with being obedient to God's word. And this man was an eighth grade student that dropped out, was a drug dealer. And he was working and, and he gave his first two paychecks. Like he was eating literally peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He was eating chips and mustard for two weeks because he did not have any money. But he said, I'm going to test you, God. I'm going to see if your word's true. And he began to give and he gave and he gave. And the Lord began to bless him. And now he's 50 years old. He has over 50 rental properties. He has a lucrative business. And it's only because of his faithfulness and only because of his obedience to Malachi 3, 6 through 12 that my uncle is doing the things that he's doing now. And now my uncle is, is able to bless people beyond measure. My uncle's now able to invest in other people because of him being obedient to God's word. See, Matthew 6, 21 says this, For where your treasure is, or your money, there your heart will also be as well. See, God is not against us having money, but he's against money having us. If you would look at your checkbook, or if you would look at your credit card statement, and see where you've been spending most of your money, where would it be? Would it be on clothing? Would it be, would it be at Starbucks? Would it be at Chipotle? Where would you be spending most of your money? Because chances are, where you're spending your money is where your heart is as well. And in John 3, uh, 12, 3 through 12, and I'm finishing up with this. It says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure, pure, pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And last week, we talked about Jesus washing feet and the significance behind that. And Mary did the same thing. She took her hair and she washed the feet of Jesus. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money back, he used to help himself to what he put it into it. And Jesus said this, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. I want to put this into, into practical sense for us in, in today's sense. You ever hear those people that say, man, why does that person need that big of a house? Or why does that person need to drive that kind of car? Like, don't they understand that there's hungry people in Africa? Don't they understand there's people in this city that needs to be fed, that, that needs shelter underneath their head? Do you know you're, you're, you're quoting Judas, the same man who portrayed Jesus? Do you know that what Judas was saying there? It wasn't because he cared about the poor. And usually what I say to those guys that, that make those kind of statements about the houses and the cars, I ask them, why, well, why don't you sell your car? Why don't you sell your, 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 your house? Are you really that concerned about the poor? Or is it because you're jealous because of what somebody else has? And so many times we can have that kind of perspective, and I had that kind of perspective for a long time. But what are you doing with your finances, guys? What are you doing? Are you, a gener are you generous? Are you being faithful and obedient to the word of God? And we all have next steps in our finances. Maybe tonight your next step is giving that 
or giving your tithe to God. But maybe it's giving an offering, anything above 10%. Or maybe it's an extravagant gift. Those are the three types of gift we see in the Bible, a tithe, an offering, an extravagant gift. And, And David, what he did was he gave over $2 billion to build a temple. Today, it would be worth $2 billion. He gave $2 billion to build a temple that, that God wanted. Or the, or the woman who gave two mites, all that she had. See, it's not about, the, the, it's not about how much you give. It's not about the, the quantity more than it is about the quality. Because where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. See, we have, blessed, we have been blessed to be a blessing to other people. Because the value of life is measured by how much of it is given away. And this series was all, it, it was designed for you and for me to understand that, that everything that we do has to come from, from the heart. And we can examine ourselves through, through using our talents and serving other people in our time and our tithe to examine our hearts. And that's what I want you guys to do tonight. And I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip or I'm not even saying you have to give tonight. But I want you guys to understand that there's blessings behind being obedient to God's word. There's blessings behind, behind what he says about, about himself. So what I want to do is with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to offer up a, a simple invitation. Maybe there's some of you guys tonight that says, man, I never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Or I've, I've never taken that next step. You know, I, I come to church, but I never publicly declared him the Lord of my life. I'm going to give you that opportunity here in a couple minutes to say, man, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. We're going to simply just ask you to raise your hand. And it says that, that if you confess and believe that Jesus is Lord, he will come into your life. And we're going to pray this prayer out together as a family. I'm just going to count to, count to three. And I simply want you to raise your hand. It says, I want to make Jesus the Lord, Lord of my life. One, two, three. Is there anybody here tonight? that says, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just give it one more second. Awesome. You guys can look up at me. So I'm guessing that, and I'm hoping that everybody here is, is born again. And this is such a great privilege just to be able to talk to you guys for one minute. Because the Bible says that we're called to make disciples of all nations. We're, we're a church that's going to go out into the world and see people born again. We're a church that, are, that is going to find people in need and help them. And I want to encourage you guys, bring your friends to the church. Bring your friends that do not know Jesus to church. Because that's what we were created to do. That's what we were designed by God to do, to seek and to save the lost, to find people that need to know the truth. So right now... And in our message, we're going to basically do the tithes and the offering, and then the guys are going to pass. But all I can say is, guys, man, you guys are a generous generation. You really are. Man, I, I see the faithfulness of your giving. I see the fruit of your giving. And I'm so thankful that you guys are generous, that you guys love to give. So I want to thank you guys for, for all that you have done, your faithfulness to this ministry. So I'm going to pray, and then the guys are going to pass the buckets, and then we're going to go with some closing announcements and go hang out outside. Dear Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this night, Lord, that we can apply this principle to our, to our lives, Lord, that you have given us, Lord, an opportunity to give back to you. So right now, I thank you that you bless those people that give tonight, that you bless them and you prosper them, 
in all that they do. God, I thank you where our tithes go, where our offerings go. It goes to make a difference into this world. It goes to, to reaching people that do not know you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.